May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock, our crucified, yes, but our risen, reigning Redeemer and soon coming again Redeemer. We bless you, Father. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Moving is a big deal. Right, Sue? Also, turning off phones is a big deal. I won't tell you who just texted me. I'm glad it was right at the beginning. You know, that worked out all right. You know, you turn it off, what, 100 times in a row and nobody ever uses or sends anything, and then the one time you don't, there we go. So moving is a big deal. So we'll tell you the joys and the wonders and the hard things of that. And it's uh, one of those right top five biggest stresses in life, and we all know that to be a real deal. We've got a number of Dell households that have been on the move. It's been kind of unusual. Uh, either in the middle of it or just accomplished it or about to in the next few weeks. It's really um, kind of a noteworthy thing. A lot of households on the move. And it's because of different stages of life, lots of different reasons. When God moved Jacob and his, at that time, 70-member family from Canaan to Egypt, to Goshen specifically, the move was to save the family from famine and to reunite them with Joseph. And then God had a lot of plans way down the line for them too. And then 400 years later, God wants to move them back to Canaan and give it to them as their promised land. But uh, we've got a bunch of questions. There's a lot of why questions in these chapters here with the plagues and everything. Why did the Lord wait until there was a pharaoh ruling Egypt who would be a stick in the mud about letting Israel go? Why not let him go, say, 200 years before that, when the pharaohs were still probably pretty nice to Israel and remembered all the good and wonderful things they had done for them? Why wait until there was a pharaoh that was uh, hard-hearted towards God and Israel? Why did God use 10 plagues to force Pharaoh to let them go? Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart along the way, even though Pharaoh was doing that himself? And there's a lot more why questions, tons of them. The answers are embedded within the 10 plagues, and we're going to find them as we go through it this morning. So lots of why questions. Let's get some why answers. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to present to you that there are four foundational purposes why God used the plagues to bring Israel out of Egypt. Here's the first one, chapter 7, verse 4. God's talking to Moses, and he says, Pharaoh will not listen to you, and I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of, say it with me, judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So there's really two things here, two reasons God's going to do it with the plagues. One is he's going to bring judgment on Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. Another is he's going to um, let the Egyptians know that God, Yahweh, is the Lord and not Pharaoh himself or Ray, the sun god, or any of the other hundreds of gods they have. So God's going to bring judgment on Pharaoh and their gods. And let the Egyptians know that Yahweh is God. Go to chapter 8, verse 8. I'm going to do some flipping myself, so we'll try and be quick. Chapter 8, verse 8. 
Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to, the, to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. So this is part of the, this, uh, the second big reason God's using the plagues. So that Egypt will come to know that Yahweh is the Lord. So in this, in this plague, it's the frogs. So far, the magicians of Egypt have been able to reduplicate the miracles, the plagues that, uh, that Moses has done with God's hand. So Moses called frogs out of the Nile. The magicians of Egypt called frogs out of the Nile. Would have been helpful, more helpful, if they were able to send the frogs back. Amen? <laughs> but they couldn't because what do we have happening here? Pharaoh is pleading with Moses, could your God do something about the frogs and send them back to the Nile? Moses is like, yeah. And to help Pharaoh and the people of Egypt know that God, Yahweh really is God, he says, when would you like God to do that? You see how he's reaching out? So really, the ten plagues and everything God's doing here, one of the underlying foundational things is God is evangelizing the people of Egypt. He's reaching out to them. He wants them to be saved as well. Hallelujah. So, so in this situation, they bring more frogs, and the people of Egypt probably said, thanks a lot, guys. Send them back. And like, we can't send them back. So Pharaoh pleads with Moses, can't you send them back? And Moses says, mm, sure. When would you like them? Tomorrow, okay? And God sends them back on the morrow. Go down to chapter 8, verse 22. Just going to give some examples here of God reaching out to the Egyptians. Verse 22. God says, Thus I will put a division between my people. No, I'm sorry, 22. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord, I am the I am, I love that, the one and only I am, in the midst of the where? The earth. Is, is Yahweh just the God over Egypt? He's the God over the whole earth. And so God says on this one, this is the flies, God says in this particular play, uh, I'm going to go a step further here. There will be flies all over Egypt. They will drive you to a distraction. But there will, not, there will not be one flying ocean where my children live. I will make a distinction between your people and mine to, to again, reach out to the Egyptians to show them God's power and might and his care for them. Drop down to chapter 9, verse 5. This plague is uh, the livestock in Egypt die. Chapter 9, verse 5. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. Again, that distinction between God's people and the Egyptians. Now look at this, verse 7. Pharaoh sent. Now it stops there. It doesn't go into a lot of detail, but it says, Pharaoh sent. And behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. What? Who did Pharaoh send? He sent uh, a messenger, whatever. He sent someone to Goshen to check it out and see. Go to Goshen and tell me the condition of their livestock. Are they really alive and healthy and fine? 
And he sent a messenger, and he comes back and he says, in Egypt, everywhere I went, livestock laying dead on the ground. As soon as I crossed over to Goshen, everything was fine. What's God doing? He's making a distinction. He's making it clear. I am the God, not just of Israel. I'm the God of Egypt. I am the God of the whole earth, reaching out to the people of Israel. Go to chapter 9, verse 11. This is in the plague of the boils, verse 11. And the magicians, Egypt's magicians, who've been trying to go step for step with Moses, and they finally had to give up. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. So when the boils are released, Moses and Aaron are standing there. The magicians are standing there. The boils break out on them, but not Moses and Aaron. And they couldn't even stand any longer. They had, they had to run, leave the place. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. So God, again, could he make it more clear? So if you want to be a, a magician and stand in front of Yahweh and say, Man, we can do all your parlor tricks. We can do stuff just like you. God is going to reach specifically to the magicians and specifically to Pharaoh along the way. And here's one of those times with the boils in chapter 9. I'm going to give you a new reason. Um, well, we've touched on it before, but I didn't pound on it. In chapter 9, verse 13, we're going to have emphasized for us What's another reason God is using the plagues to bring Israel out? Chapter 9, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, and on your servants, and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me. Here's the so that, right? That's the purpose. So that, say it with me, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. We're not just reaching to Egypt. We're going to reach the whole earth with these ten plagues. <coughs> Keep going, verse 15. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. You have been cut off from the whole earth. God says, I could have sent a disease and killed off your whole population by now if I wanted to. I've been restraining myself, reaching out to you and your people to bring you in. Could have used pestilence, verse 16. <clears throat> but for this purpose, I have raised you up. God's talking to Pharaoh. God specifically chose this Pharaoh. Is that amazing? God chooses unbelievers and one who could persist in unbelief. God chooses people for his purposes, greater purposes to reach more people. Amen. Verse 16, God says, But for this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh, to show you my power. Isn't this amazing? Well, this brings to mind the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Full of pride, convinced they were right with God, convinced they were going to have high, high seats in heaven near God's throne. And they didn't know the Lord, didn't love the Lord. Did Jesus love them? Did he continuously, through all, through all three years of ministry, did he keep on reaching out, keep on reaching out, keep on trying to reach their hearts? He did. He loved them. Did you know that God loved Pharaoh? Did you know that the Lord was reaching out to him through these plagues? He says, I have raised you up to show you my power. 
so that my name may be proclaimed again in all the earth. Go down to verse 20. With this plague, this is the hail that's coming. And God knew that this would be devastating. He knew that the hail would kill people and livestock if they were out in the open when it came down. So God warned them ahead of time. He said, if you'll listen to my word and bring in your, your animals under shelter, and if you, your people will come under shelter, you'll be all right. But if you're outside in the open, you're going to die. So he gave the, the Egyptians an opportunity to take a step of faith, to listen to his word and obey. Verse 20 says, God says, then whoever, uh, it says a report of the hail, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. Some of them responded. We, this is the first indication that we have faith happening among Egyptians. We say glory. Is God's desire, is God's heart's desire to reach Egypt? Is it happening? Is it working? Are some Egyptians coming to faith in Yahweh as the one true living God? It's happening. Say glory. glory. Now, this is a total side. It's like a side thing, right? You don't even notice as we're flying through. All we're going to get to is the next plague. And what was that like? And how did that happen? Along the way, Egyptians are listening to the word of God, believing him, and obeying him. I don't want to go too crazy. But it looks to me like there are Egyptians who are potentially being saved here by faith in the one true God. Now we're going to have our fourth reason. Why does God use the plagues? Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. This is the eighth plague, the locusts. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. Here's the purpose. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? He did it himself. Sometimes God added on. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? He says, I've hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine among them and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the I am. What's the fourth reason God used the plagues? To be a witness in Israel that would be so clear and so powerful, it could be handed down from generation to generation to generation and beyond. Is this witness still being handed down down to the, the generations? It's here in our Bible. I'm preaching on it today. How about among the Jews? Are they still celebrating Passover? Yes, they are. They're still passing it on down today. So four reasons God sent the plagues, used the plagues in this situation, to judge Pharaoh and the gods, and Egypt's gods, um, that the Egyptians might know that Yahweh is God, not just in Egypt, that people would know that Yahweh is God throughout the whole earth, and that there would be a witness that would go down through the generations of Israelites and the believers forevermore. That's a lot of good reasons to use the plagues. Now comes God's judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt's God himself. So when you look at the, if you want to look at the, the chart on the 10 plagues, the 10 different gods, there's, there's a lot more than 10 gods. But you, you look at that and like the Egyptians had a, a fly god and they had an earth god, they had a sky god, and all these 
Yeah, fly God, seriously? Um, so when God is judging these, each one, he's making that God, he's, he's crushing it, showing his absolute power over it. He's showing that you need hundreds and maybe thousands of gods when there's only one who is all these things. I'm the God who made it all and the God over it all. So now comes God's judgment of Pharaoh and Egypt's God himself. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. Because the Egyptians believed that their Pharaoh was the sun god, Ra, in the flesh. That's why God is dealing directly with Pharaoh all the time. He wants Pharaoh himself and Egypt to know this, is, this man is not God. I am God. So Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be what over the land of Egypt? Darkness. Well, who is Pharaoh? He's the son of the sun god. He's in charge of the sun. He is the sun himself in the flesh. So God says, Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven. There was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt, three days. Three days. That wasn't just a couple hours. Who were the people of Egypt reaching out to in prayer and supplication for the light to return during this time? Who were they praying to and crying out to bring, bring the sunshine back to Pharaoh? What was Pharaoh doing during the three days of pitch darkness as his people cried out to him for help? Coming to the end of himself. Now, there's two things you can do with that moment when you come to the end of yourself and you realize that you are but a creature and there is an eternal God. You can rail against it, harden your heart against it, and run the opposite direction. You can shake your fist like you see in Revelation, or you can come to the end of yourself and recognize. I can't do this. I need help. I need a God who's actually reaching out to me and showing me his power on my behalf. I can say yes to this God. The sun God couldn't make the sun's light appear for three days. So completely broken and humiliated before his people, Pharaoh responds to Moses in chapter 10, verse 28. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Pharaoh's come to the end of himself, and what's he doing with it? Get away from me, or I'm going to kill you. You have humiliated me in front of my whole nation, in front of the world. And I'm not going to humble myself before your God. Get away from me. Verse 29, Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. Has judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt's gods been accomplished? Completely and utterly. Have Egyptians been given 10 opportunities to know that Yahweh is really God? Yes, they have. 
has God accomplished a mighty witness to Israel that will go down through the generations? They're still uh, sharing Passover the story today. Fourth one, was Yahweh made known in all the earth? Interesting question, right? Did, did Yahweh make himself known through all the earth? Go to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, this is 40 years later. The 40 years wandering in the wilderness has been accomplished. Now it's time to go to the promised land. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. The spies go in to check out Jericho. Rahab puts them up and hides them, keeps them safe. And then Rahab's going to give testimony here. This is amazing stuff. When you're coming out of the 10 plagues, this is amazing testimony. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. Before the two spies lay down, she, Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord, Yahweh, right, all caps, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the, all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Why? Why are they so scared of Israel? Verse 10, for we have heard, say it with me, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Did the whole earth find out? Did the whole earth hear? This is a long ways away. This is like three nations away from Egypt. We, we heard what God did. We heard how God crushed Egypt and Pharaoh and left them a ruined nation. We heard. We heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. Let's see how far do we go? To Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, Yahweh, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What witness did they hear? Just that God whooped on Egypt's gods? They heard a witness that God is God on the heavens above and on the whole earth beneath. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brother and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Did that happen? Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It's in the middle of genealogy of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 5, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by who? Rahab, what? Rahab is like a great, great, great grandma to King David. Rahab is in the family tree of Jesus, our Savior. So when God was doing the ten plagues in Egypt, and one of his purposes was that the whole earth would know he was God, he had in mind saving a prostitute in Jericho with that witness. And he had in mind not just saving her, but, but raising her up as a righteous follower of God in Israel, gave her a child, at least one that we know of, and ended up becoming great-great-grandma to King David, and a great-great-great add-on a whole bunch to Jesus himself. 
God placed a witness to the ten plagues in the genealogy of Christ Jesus. Does that blow our minds and expand our hearts today? Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. Hallelujah. God had a plan. Is there any other event that shows with miraculous power that God is God and that the whole world can come into his family by faith? Hmm. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Are you feeling like an Egyptian today? You go. Are you feeling like an Egyptian today? Not part of God's family. Surrounded by faith gods demanding your attention. How often we give into that? Not sure if a holy and mighty God will welcome you into his embrace and into his family and into his heaven. Matthew 28, 16. The risen Jesus has been showing himself to the disciples. Uh, they're still fighting with it, wrestling with it. Sometimes excited, other times like, huh, can this really be real? Verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, the risen Jesus. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Say it with me, but some doubted, even now. And Jesus came and said, the resurrected Jesus, the mark still on his, his wrists and his feet. Go all authority, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What did God show in the ten plagues? He is the God of all heaven and all the earth. They had tons of atmosphere and sky and sun gods. How many gods do we need over the heavens? One god. They had gods for, for dirt and flies and frogs and, and the Nile and all kinds of gods for the earth. How many gods do we need for the earth? One god, Yahweh. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me by this God, Yahweh, my Father. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How far does God want the salvation to go? To all nations. How far did he want to go back in, in the plagues with Egypt? He wanted it to go everywhere. Same God, same desire, same heart. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach and to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God does want you. He wanted the Egyptians in his family. He wanted Rahab, the Canaanites, and Jericho in his family. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ, he wants people across the world in his family. He wants you. If you're not fit to come to his holy presence, that's okay. He provided for that. The blood of Jesus from the cross makes you clean, makes you holy, presentable to a holy God. Let him do it. Say yes to Jesus and come in. Some of these Egyptians went with Israel when they went through the Red Sea on the other side. Some of them did. You can too. In Jesus' name, come on board. Become part of the family. Become a child of the king forever now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.